0: Welcome to the study of the book of Revelation taught by Michael Fitzgerald, senior pastor of Clifford Baptist Church. These lessons come from a Wednesday night study of the book, so the format is more of a classroom setting. Included in this Revelation series are written study notes which can be accessed with each lesson in the series. The Life Application Bible begins its section on Revelation with these words. With tiny wrinkles and cries, He entered the world and, wrapped in strips of cloth, took his first nap on a bed of straw. Subject to time and parents, he grew to manhood in Roman-occupied Palestine, his gentle hands becoming strong and calloused in Joseph's woodworking shop. As a man, he walked through the countryside and city, touching individuals, preaching to crowds, and training 12 men to carry on his work. At every step, he was hounded by those seeking to rid the world of his influence. Finally, falsely accused and tried, he was condemned to a disgraceful execution by foreign hands, and he died, spat upon, cursed, pierced, and hung heavenward for all to deride. Jesus, the God-man, gave his life completely so that all might live. Now, I give you that tonight by saying that perhaps most of us, when we picture in our minds Jesus Christ, we think of Him as the suffering servant. We think of Him as the one who died on the cross for us. And perhaps when you picture Him, especially when we take the Lord's Supper, it's true for me, I picture Him on the cross. However, as we open this study to the book of Revelation... That is exactly the opposite of the picture that Revelation presents of Jesus. The gospel show us the suffering servant, but Revelation shows us the king of glory. They are both accurate pictures, but when you and I picture Jesus this day, we should see him not on a cross, but as the king. And we start the study with that. Revelation stretches us to see Jesus as the King. So tonight, we're going to begin this walk, this journey through the book of the Revelation. I can tell you right now that uh, it's going to be somewhere around 40 sessions that we're going to meet together and walk through the book of the Revelation. So tonight is the first session, and we're going to start with only the first three verses of the book. So if you would, take your Bible, turn with me. While you're turning, let me say this to you, it would greatly, greatly benefit you to have one of these because you will never, ever remember everything I'm going to tell you in this next half hour or in the next 38 or 9 sessions it would greatly benefit you to have a little notebook that you can write down scripture, write down major points. I'm not. This could be a seminary class in, in a sense. But if you would just write down the main points that you could go back and restudy, it would help you so greatly. So I would much encourage you to get you a little pad, stick it in your Bible, and bring it with you every Wednesday night that we study the book of the Revelation. We begin with the first three verses of the book. So hear these words as Revelation opens. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. May God add his blessing to the reading of this very important passage of God's Word. Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises you and me that if we will simply read it and if we will heed in hearing the words that we will be a blessed people. It's the one book of the Bible. Now I believe it's true of every one of them but it is specifically stated here that this book will bless you. Look at verse 3 again. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Friends, that's us tonight. As we begin this study, you and I will be blessed. That's reason enough for us to open the book in these next few Wednesday nights. Now, if you know you're going to get a blessing by doing something, you will do it, right? Gentlemen, Is it not true that you proposed to your future wife because you knew she would be a blessing to you? Uh, You better say amen. And I say amen as well. I see Shirley Hunt making sure that Ed said it well. We are opening ourselves to blessing by God simply because we're going to go through this study together, you will be personally blessed by coming here ready to gain the truth that God gives us through this word. And additionally, because we are here together, this entire church will be blessed because we're opening this word. Even though not everybody is here that's normally here on a Sunday morning, the entire church will be blessed because we are reading and studying and heeding this word of God. God is blessing us within the study. It is a given fact. There is no guesswork to it. It is absolutely stated in the Word of God. Now, as we begin, there are three major truths. Here's where that little notebook would come in really handy for you. Three major truths about Revelation that we need to nail down at the very outset of this study. Here is truth number one. Point number one. There is one central character in this book and of course the obvious answer it is jesus the son of god you know there was a little boy who came to children's church and the children's church teacher was saying i want to ask you a question what is furry and has a long tail and climbs in trees and the little boy said well i know the answer squirrel but you really want me to say jesus everything about revelation points to Jesus. He is the obvious and the main and the central person of the book of the revelation. You will notice sometimes people will say this is the book of revelations. There is no S on the end of the book because there is only one revelation It is the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Look at verse 1 again. We will read and reread these verses. And that's one of the ways that I do study is to look at them and look at them and look at them. The revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the main character of the book and there is that one unveiling of the Son of God. We will learn about the character of our Savior through this book. If through this study you and I do not come out with a better understanding of the love and the kingship and the sovereignty and the judgment and the glory of Jesus Christ, then we have missed the point of revelation. The name revelation in Greek is apocalypsis, and it literally means to unveil something, to uncover something. So this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke unveil His first coming. The prophecy of the Revelation unveils His second coming. Um, the Gospels show Jesus going to the cross to die, but Revelation shows Jesus coming back to earth to reign. In Jesus' first coming... He stood before Pontius Pilate. When Jesus comes again, Pontius Pilate will stand before him. In Jesus' first coming, he was on his knees before a cross. In Jesus' second coming, according to Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, every, every, every knee will bow to him. So everything in the book of the Revelation revolves around Jesus. That's the first point. Point number two, truth number two. There is a clear purpose in this book, and it is this. God Almighty wants His servants to understand our future. God wants His servants to understand our future. Only God knows what the future really does hold. Satan does not know our future. And certainly there are no earthly uh, seers or fortune tellers who know our future. I heard Adrian Rogers tell a story one time about a woman named Madame LaRue, who was a fortune teller. And the sign on her door said, Madame LaRue knows everything and sees everything. Blow the horn when you come in the driveway so I'll know you're here. (laughs) But no human being truly knows the future you know, psychic hotlines on TV, that's a bunch of trash. Don't bother with reading horoscopes in your newspaper. That's trash. Only God knows the future, and revelation is God's instrument to reveal the future to us. Now, As we are studying Daniel, that's another instrument that's revealing our future to us. The Bible is very plain and succinct about showing us what is going to happen in days that are ahead of us. But I do want you to notice this, and this is a major, major point. Revelation is intended only for believers. Look at verse 1 again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. Revelation is intended for believers, for Christians, for those who know the Lord as Savior. The Greek word in verse 1, that word servants, the Greek word is douloi or doulos. And it means a slave who has been bought off of the block of sin and given forgiveness and life. Paul calls himself a doulos in in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, when he calls himself a servant of God. And he says, then I'm called as an apostle, but I am a servant because Jesus purchased me with his own blood off of the block of sin and gave me life. So the currency that Jesus used to purchase us that we might be His servants is His own blood. We are a bond servant or a bond slave to the one who gave us life. But through that blood, through our faith, we belong to Him. So if you really want to understand the book of Revelation, you must submit to Jesus Christ in salvation, first of all. But then you have to surrender your life to him in service. We are a servant and we are to do his bidding and his will because our life no longer belongs to us. It belongs to him. We are his servants purchased by his blood. It is right here in the book. Now, the unsaved world might be really enthralled with the book of Revelation. I am sure that, as you know, the uh, Left Behind series that came out 10 or more years ago, uh, I'm sure that many, 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 many unsaved people bought that series. And, of course, that had the framework of Revelation surrounded by a a fictional story. But the framework of Revelation was in that series, and basically the unsaved world was buying it up and lapping it up because they are interested in end times and what is going to happen in end times. But this book is not intended for the lost. By its very definition, in the opening words of the book, it is intended for the servants of God, that we will understand God's future for us and for this world. Okay, let's review. Point number one, revelation unveils Jesus in glory. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels unveil him in suffering. Revelation unveils him in glory. And point number two, revelation is God's wisdom unveiled to the saved. Now, I want you to notice this about God's future. Look again at verse one. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Revelation tells us things of God which must, and I emphasize the word must, not probably, not maybe, but must come to pass. It says that these things must shortly come to pass. Now, that word shortly does not mean immediately. It doesn't mean that the Bible is wrong, that when John wrote these words that these things were going to come immediately after he put the last period on the last sentence of the book of Revelation. But rather, shortly means quickly or suddenly. These things are going to come to pass very suddenly. You remember, Jesus over and over through the Gospels says... Be ready, be ready, be ready, be watchful, because these things are going to happen very quickly. Jesus warns us that when he comes again, his coming is going to be quick. It is going to be without warning. He is going to come like a thief in the night. Let's, uh, let's do a little a, a Bible flip. Keep your thumb in Revelation. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Go to verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. This corroborates what we see God saying in the opening of Revelation. Jesus says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken And the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now that brings us to point three. Truth number three. This prophecy of Revelation cannot and will not be changed. It will not be altered. It cannot be stopped. Look at verse 3, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. What time is Jesus talking about? He's talking about his return, exactly what we just talked about through in Matthew chapter 24. Now, John did not write to say that Jesus is immediately coming. You know, 2,000 years have passed since the time of Jesus walking this earth, dying on the cross, being resurrected from the grave. But Jesus' coming is imminent. Jesus' coming again is sure. Friends, Jesus will come again. There is no question He is coming again. Just as certainly as He came as a baby to a manger, He is going to come again as the King of glory. There is no plan B. He is coming again, period. Do you remember Jesus' words in John chapter 14? Uh, The first three verses. I love these verses and I use them so often. Let not your heart be troubled. it will not be altered. It is in the truth of God. So as we study the book of Revelation, I think we're going to see, and I believe this with all of my heart, and i want to see if you agree with me. I believe in these very days we are seeing signs of the time that the days are intensifying that point us in the direction that the time is getting closer and closer by the day. I was interviewed by a high school student about 10 years ago, Uh, And he was writing a paper dealing with the end times. And I made a statement then, and I certainly stand by it again tonight, that while it's been 2,000 years plus since Jesus has been here, I believe that his second return is no more than decades away. I believe that it is getting closer and closer. And, and, And let me say this to you. The day of his return is already set in the mind of God. God knows the day. Now, Jesus said, I don't even know the day. The angels of heaven don't know the day, but my Father knows the day. It is set in the granite of God's mind as to the day that I am going to return for my church and come back to this world as the King of glory. That day is etched in the mind of God, and it will not change. And here's what I'm I'm saying this to you tonight. You and I, as believers in this day, are on a divine timeline, and whenever Jesus comes back, I can promise you this by the very Word of God, we are a day closer when we get up in the morning than we were this day. That day is set in God's mind, and that day is coming, and I believe it's coming in the fairly near future, perhaps even in our lifetimes. One thing is for sure, when the sky rolls back, when the glory of Jesus appears, there is not in that moment going to be of the latitude or the opportunity for minds to change about Him. Minds will be set when Jesus appears in the clouds. The moment for a changed heart and the moment for a changed mind is over. When Jesus appears in the clouds, no one's going to be able to say, "Oh, I see him coming. I' better be a Christian right now. Lord, I accept you as my savior. But the coming is going to be so immediate, so quick, in the blink of an eye, that there will not be time for minds to be changed. The saved will be eternally saved, and the lost are going to be left behind for the Great Tribulation. Now, as we study through this book, you will find that those seven years of the Great Tribulation are one of the greatest ages of salvation on this earth. There will be an opportunity for salvation, but... When Jesus breaks through the clouds to return for his church, now there are many views about what happens to the church, but I am a pre-millennialist, which means I believe that when Jesus returns, he takes us out of this world. One of the main reasons I believe it, and I'll repeat it on down the road, but one of the main reasons I believe that is I believe that Jesus said we are the salt and the light and the leaven of our world right now. And when you put salt in meat, it preserves the meat. If you were to take the salt out, the meat will start to decay and rot. When Jesus takes the salt of the world out, that's when the Great Tribulation will begin. I believe that we will be taken out of this world. Uh, again, if you want to flip in your Bible with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. A letter of Paul to the church at Thessalonica, chapter 4, verse 13. Hear these words. Write down that reference. You can go back to them. But here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning with verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that means those who have already died as believers, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now going on to chapter 5, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Again, Paul saying... That when the Lord Jesus returns, the dead in Christ shall rise. We who are alive, still walking the soil of this earth, we're all going to meet in the clouds together. But it's going to come so immediately and so quickly that whatever has been done in a life about being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is sealed in that moment. The second coming is a moment in time. But I also want you to bear in mind as we study Revelation that not only are we concerned about the end times, But Revelation, particularly in the first three chapters, has us very much concerned about the present day and the present age and our present ministry. We can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good today. So we have to think about what does the Lord Jesus Christ want us to do every day that he tarries from coming back? What are we to be doing every day as Jesus tarries in heaven? The message of Revelation is urgent in that the Lord says, Don't just look for me, but while you wait, work for me. Be my servants. Be that doulos that I saved you to be. Tens of thousands of people every day on this earth close their eyes with nothing but hell in their future tens of thousands every day many of them in this very country many of them in amherst and nelson counties we certainly have a job to do as the servants of god and once those souls pass through the portal of eternity There is no U-turn. There is no changing a heart. There is no renewing belief in Christ. There is no turning back. There is a bumper sticker out there, and I've seen it before, that says, God allows U-turns. And praise God, as long as there is life and breath, absolutely. God allows that U-turn of a lost, hell-bound soul coming to Jesus Christ and Savior and inheriting heaven and salvation and grace and glory for all eternity. God does allow U-turns on this earth as we breathe and our heart beats. Praise God, I'm one of them that took that U-turn. Praise God, you have taken that U-turn if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But there are so many Who don't know him. And when their eyes close in death. The U-turn is not allowed anymore. So tonight we ask the question. Why does Jesus tarry? What keeps him from coming back? This world is in a pretty sad state. What keeps Jesus from coming back? I believe what allows God Almighty to hold it back. is He's waiting for those last few to make that decision for Jesus Christ. And I believe that He's giving His church the time to be the ministers He created us to be. I believe that He is giving us the passion and the call to get out in this world and be the presence of Jesus there so others can come to know the Savior, the Son of God. Jesus does not want one lost. And so God tarries in sending His Son back so that one more can be saved. You know, I, I don't understand why people hear about Jesus and are sitting in churches, and yet their head knowledge has never become heart knowledge. I can't understand why how people can stand by graveside and say farewell to a spouse or to a child or to a co-worker or to a lifelong friend And not have the hope of Jesus Christ in their heart. And I think about that. And I'm sure Pastor Clyde thinks about that. Every funeral service that we preach. About the lost people who might be standing there. And how much they need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to issue an invitation in the church service. In a funeral service. I try to get an invitation into a wedding service. But I believe that it's so essential that you and I are the servants of God out there in the world. You remember some years ago there were some miners trapped deeply in a mine and they had to drill a hole to get those guys out. Do you remember that? They drilled this eight-foot round hole to pull those men out of that mine and they sent down a cage to get those guys out and they waited for days and days for that to happen. Can you imagine one of those miners at the bottom of that shaft who had lived in the dark for days in that damp air that was surrounded by coal dust, men who were desperate, men who knew that without that hole breaking through that they would die. Can you imagine one of those guys down there saying, nope, don't want to go up. I'll stay right here. I'm comfortable here. That didn't happen in that mind. Every one of those guys clambered into that little wire cage and took the ascent up to the top of the ground. But there are so many in this world this day who are saying, nope, I don't need a Savior. I'm strong enough on my own. I've made my own way. I have done some things that have brought me glory. I don't need a Savior. But the book of the Revelation teaches us that we need to be busy as a church because the time is getting short and Jesus is going to return and people are going to be lost if they don't come to him. Why gamble with such unreliable odds when Jesus is standing right now with his arms open wide? Remember in Matthew he uses uh, Noah as that example that the ark was open to anybody who would come in to ride out the flood. But when the door closed, not one soul got in that boat. When God shuts the door of heaven, not one more soul will be coming in. Well, Christians, I pray that this study in these next weeks will bless us and will bless this church as we see about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our King. It is a promise that He is coming for us. But we bear in mind that right now, His coming is immediate. And every day is one day closer to His coming. It is set in the mind of God. And so, right now, in these days, we need to be busy about His work and call the lost to Him.